0: So today we're going to look at how God saves us from this shallow religion. Jesus teaches about doing our acts of of giving and praying and fasting in private, not in public, to be seen by others. And doing these things in secret rather than out loud is is important because God is building in us a solid core of self-giving love that that is not addicted to... The approval of others. So what do I mean by shallow religion? I mean a form of religion that is high on words and high on rules, but low on the inner transformation of our heart and of our mind. Shallow religion doesn't affect us very deeply. God wants to save us from that. He wants us to step into a life of courage and self-giving love that will heal both ourselves and those around us as well. Shallow religion will never be courageous or self-giving. It's always, always self-serving and based in fear. Now today, on the Sunday before the first day of Lent, we're going to swim into the deeper waters of this teachings of Jesus. Our passage today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And this is part of Jesus' core teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches us what life is in the kingdom of God is is all about. And this is what a saved life looks like. This kind of life cannot emerge from shallow religion, but is based on an inward transformation. So Matthew chapter chapter 6, starting with the first verse, is not going to be behind me, so you have to open up your Bible if you want to follow along, or you can just listen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Then skip on down to verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." we'll stop there. So, Jesus gets right to the point. In verse 1, so behind me here right now. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So Jesus mentions three different spiritual practices, giving, praying, and fasting. And, and right away, He says that it's possible to do these practices in a way that's empty, that's shallow, with, with no reward from, from our Father in heaven. And if we're going to spend time giving, praying, and and fasting, don't we want to do them in ways that are transformational? (laughs) Ways that will transform us and those around us as well? So since we're heading into Lent, let's look at the practices of giving, praying, and fasting, since they are core routines for all Christ followers. And when done correctly in the right spirit and with the right expectations, they will have a tremendous impact in our relationship with God and our relationship with those around us as well. So it's important to realize that uh, doing, doing spiritual exercises and checking them off our to-do list is not the goal here. I, I know some of you work on lists, I work on lists, I, I love lists, I can check off lists and just feel, I feel productive. This is not where you need to, that's not the goal for this. You, you can't find that as your priority, although that might be the temptation. Because that quickly becomes legalism and doing them for the wrong reasons. That's what shallow religion looks like. I want to give us a way to measure how we're doing in these areas that isn't legalistic and isn't based on shallow religion. So how can, how can we, we, we move forward over the next 40 days in repentance and reflection, seeking to recalibrate our lives to God's way of living and, and loving by incorporating giving, praying, and fasting in such a way that isn't legalistic or empty? How can we do that? Well, here's one way I believe a good start for us here. First, I believe we need to, we need to agree that the goal of our practices of giving, praying, and fasting is to grow in self-giving love. For others. That's how we need to see this and prioritize this and have this goal. To grow in self giving love for others. Not to, in these 40 days, not to grow in knowledge, although that, that's a good thing. Not to grow in information about Scripture, of course, also a good thing. And not to have, even have this list and check it off um, our list so that, that we have a sense of accomplishment. Self-giving is another way to say laying down one's life for another. And so when Jesus taught that the whole law can be summarized in the double commandment of loving God and loving our neighbor, this is what He was referring to, giving of ourselves and therefore giving ourselves to God and to others. It's self-giving. And so when we speak of self-giving love, it's a sacrificial kind of love. But why should growing in self-giving love be our ultimate goal? Because God's core nature is love. And the top two commandments Jesus gave us were to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. When self-giving love is our goal, it, it brings focus and clarity to our time with the Lord. And it helps us avoid the goal of a a, a warm fuzzy (laughs) that goes away 20 minutes after we say amen or shut our Bibles or leave from here. We interact with people all the time in our lives, which means we have hundreds, if not thousands, chances to put self-giving love into practice. So if we're going to grow in anything over the next 40 days, let's grow in self-giving love. So let's look at these areas Jesus talks about, mentions here one by one. First one, giving. First area is giving. Jesus says, so when you give to the needy, in verse 2. And notice Jesus didn't say, if you give to the needy. He said, when you give to the needy. The understanding is that anyone who is a Christ follower or anyone who is becoming Christ-like will be a giver. Now, to be a a giver means the the giving of of, of money or food or clothing or your time. Givers give. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of uh, those people. Givers give whatever they have in order to share and strengthen others. Giving isn't limited to money, but it definitely includes it. But giving is important to God because God Himself is a giver. Scripture tells us. John 3.16, for God, is, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Luke 12.32, your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. And then in Luke 11, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God is a giver. Now, I want to challenge you today. And this might be a, a challenge you might have to think about a little bit more and let it ruminate in your your mind and heart. If you have an abundance of something in your life, whatever it might be, abundance means you have more than you need. An abundance of something in your life. God may have given you something that someone else needs. Now, before you think I'm going all communistic on you and socialistic or whatever, I'm not. Check the Bible. we are be giving to other people around us. Could it be your job is to prayerfully channel it where it's needed? So if you have an abundance of something, you could share it with someone else. What do you think of that? If you have an abundance of something in your life, money, food, clothing, time, whatever, you need to ask yourself, why do I have an abundance? Why do I have this? All of a sudden, I got this extra of whatever it might be. I know that whenever that happens to, to Becky and I, I'm always going, okay, why? <laughs> why do I have more than the, Oh, Did I make a mistake at the end of the month and I didn't pay all the bills? I was to? <laughs> why do we have more money than at the end? Anyway, are you storing for winter? What, what are you doing with the abundance? Are you, do you feel secure knowing you have more than you need? Because you know it, it can make you feel secure, I suppose. How much food do we throw out and how much money do we waste? <laughs> What if we approached our abundance differently? What if we decided that an abundance of something is simply God giving us something someone else needs, and he is trusting us to get it there. We're the messengers. We are just stewards of what God wants to provide in someone else's life. I took uh, some of you know I have uh, our grandson Ransom is here for the preschool, and uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, Katie's leading that, and does so wonderful with the with the kids there. And as we're gathered together, as they're gathered together, they do their things. And at the end, I have the opportunity to take him home to his parents. And so on Tuesdays, and Thursdays that happens. And on uh, this last uh, Thursday, I think it was, took him home, drive up to the driveway, and then here I am looking at their driveway. They have their car there and another car, but they have a third car. And I was like what's that third car there for? And I, I, it looked like this car from uh, Karen's parents, Karen's parents, Amanda's parents, Karen and Todd. <laughs> and so uh, I thought, oh, are the Schweitz visiting today? And I bring Ransom on up and car seat as well, and come on inside and we talk for a little bit. I don't see Karen or Todd around, I'm like, hmm. And then uh, then Zachary finally says, hey, you, you notice our, uh, another car in our driveway? And I said, yes, I did. <laughs> He said, let me tell you about that. Okay. And he said, there's uh, people at the church that uh, they were um, wondering. Uh, they had this, this extra car. They didn't know what to do with it. And they came to Zach and a man and say, hey, could, could you use an extra car? <laughs> they were like, uh, okay. Zach's car, his poor little Honda Civic is, what, high school when he got that? Becky's parents gave that to him when he was in high school. And so he's been driving it ever since. And that little thing has uh, done its work, done its job, but it's hanging by a thread right now. And so uh, it, it spends more time in the mechanics than at home. So here he is. He's 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 got this car that's not running very well. And then here's the, this family from the church, their church that they attend. They're saying, hey, we got an extra car. Could you use it? Like, yeah. So they had an abundance of of this, and they looked to see how they could bless somebody with it. And they did. They just gave the car to them. (laughs) And so a 2016 Subaru Outback. And and all three of their kids can sit in the the seats there, in their car seats in the the middle, and uh, they're just they're blown away. That kind of thing is what I'm talking about. As we have an abundance of something, what is it that God would want you to do with that? And like I said, prayerfully channel that where it needs to go. Prayerfully consider where it needs to go. Be careful with what God gives you. Be a good steward of it and, uh, and get God's guidance on that. But what an awesome privilege to be given something by God that He trusts you to prayerfully channel to where it's needed most. So, you got something of an abundance. What is it that God would want you to do with that? Jesus continued saying, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you." So Jesus is saying, basically here, the best way to be a giver is to be someone who gives in secret. Now, this family I, from Zach church, I, I believe they know them, but nobody else does. They're not broadcasting it to the world, look what we did! I don't know the family either, but man, what a, what a testimony of God's goodness in people's lives. But the best way to be a giver is to be someone who gives in secret. How do you feel about that? Because sometimes we want to get a little acknowledgement, maybe a little bit, maybe, maybe not. Isn't part of the reward of giving to others uh, that we get some credit and recognition for our generosity in some way, a thank you of some sort? We like to post our wins on social media, don't we? Look what we did today, or look what happened here today, and we let everybody know who's connected. It's okay. It's human nature. We love to receive positive feedback and affirmation from other people. Jesus doesn't condemn us. He wants to save us. So Jesus wants to bring us to a place where we are fully secure doing things for others in secret knowing our only reward comes from God. He wants to bring us to a place where our inner core is so solid that we can do good things without needing public recognition or even validation. We do it because God has us do it. God recognizes and sees what we do for others in secret, and it's okay if people don't see. It's all right. Giving in secret also puts a slow death to our ego. (laughs) When we give selfishly for recognition or approval, the reward is that our ego is stoked. But when we give secretly, our ego has no fuel to burn with that, and our hearts and minds will increase in self-giving love for others. If we give in secret without recognition, what's the reward? Growing in self-giving love is its own reward. And if we give to those in need, they receive the reward of receiving from God through you. It's an amazing reward for everyone. And then Jesus talks about praying. Talks about praying in uh, verses 5 and 6 of Matthew 6. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen." So I want to encourage you uh, during this season of Lent to give yourself time to pray. Give yourself time to pray more than you have. You already probably have a good prayer life but now we, always, we can always grow. Grow in that. Grow in that. Give yourself time to pray. We've got opportunities to pray in public here, as we already did here in the service, and, and we could be praying in public that way. We can also pray together on Thursday mornings as we gather for our prayer group and pray over the different requests that we have. That's kind of in a group setting in public. But there's also the private prayer. That's so special. That's something that God is challenging me with as well too, to to elevate that a little bit more, to spend more time in private prayer. And it's self-giving love because there's a sacrifice of time. You're taking time to pray for either a situation or the person. And so you're giving that love to that person saying, I love you enough to be able to bring your, your needs, your requests to our Heavenly Father. I will pray for you. And when we say, I will pray for you, that's a commitment to others, which shows a self-giving love as well. A gentleman by the name of Bob Hostetler <clears throat> wrote an article for Guidepost. And he came up with seven benefits of prayer no matter the outcome. I think it's something good that we all need to hear and realize. Seven benefits of prayer no matter the outcome. He says silence is one of them. Silence is one of them. He says sometimes it feels like he's surrounded and assaulted even by noise, but prayer brings into his life periods of quiet that have been a a boon to his soul, as he says. And in prayer, he's, uh, he's often uh, calmed and quieted himself, as Psalm 131 talks about, like a weaned child with its mother. So, an opportunity just to slow down and, in silence, be before God. Another benefit of prayer is stillness. He speaks about this. He says uh, his prayer times become an oasis amid uh, ever-racing heart, mind, and body. Is that true? Our body, our minds, hearts are just going always faster than we almost keep up with. And there's times where this has delivered him from stress and anxiety and high blood pressure as well as everything else. When you just stop and quiet yourself. Come before God. And then he also says presence is another benefit of prayer He says that some people live their whole lives without experiencing the the presence of God. He couldn't understand how uh, he could go through something like that, not experiencing the presence of God. And even the joy of the the presence of God as well, too. But that's something that is experienced when you go to prayer. Another thing that is experienced and the benefit of is Perspective. He says he don't always get the answers he wants when he prays. Isn't that true? We don't always get what we want, but we get what we need. But he gains a new perspective, and that's what we can do. We can gain a new perspective on things when we go to the Lord in prayer. Our problems seem smaller. Our priorities are, are, are sorted and in the right order, and the path ahead seems pretty clear. Even God seems larger than before when we go to the Lord in prayer. And then he says, uh, balance. Balance is another benefit of prayer. Like the psalmist says, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. He says it's easy to get off kilter and out of whack, reacting to all the things around us. He says, but prayer orients us. It uprights us. He takes God's hand and regains his balance and saying, along with the psalmist, as for me, it is good to be near God. Balance we receive, the benefit from prayer. and Another benefit from prayer is peace. Peace. The effect, he says, he talks about how the effect of the silence and stillness and presence and perspective and balance that prayer brings to his life, it's hard to... Describe that. Hard to try to quantify that. But he knows, and as we, maybe you've experienced as well too, the more you pray, the more you experience the promise that's found in Isaiah, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So when we go to Lord in prayer, we, we gain the peace. And then another benefit he lists here is Hope. Hope. So when praying often, you're never without hope. The hope of healing, the hope of deliverance, the hope of blessing and goodness just elevates the soul, helps persevere through whatever storms of life come our way. And even if that hoped-for outcome does not happen, <clears throat> does not come to fruition, we're still propped up by the awareness that our good God is working. He's still working, always working, and somehow planning something better. So if it doesn't come about what we prayed for, we just know, okay, God, you know best. You know how to deal with this situation. I trust you. And we have hope because God is a good God. And here are a few things to keep in mind when we come to God in prayer. So if we emphasize this this season of Lent and and be part of that praying, first, uh, realize you are praying to your loving Father, not to a judge. Not to a judge. Go, Go to God in prayer knowing that He loves you and wants the best for you. Also, share with Him your cares and concerns. You know, he's, he's okay with that. He's okay with someone who's crying or someone who's angry or yelling. He understands. He knows what you're going through. You can't hide it. <laughs> we're, we're emotional people. Some of us less than others, possibly, but we're emotional people, and things affect us. Whether Kansas City or San Francisco wins or loses, things affect us, and we become emotional. Situations go on around us that might not go the way we wanted it to go, And become we we react emotionally. Share with him your cares and concerns. Share whatever is on your heart and on your mind. So when you go to the Lord in prayer, then pray those things. And finally, listen. (laughs) Listen. What does God want to say or have to say to you? You can't, you you don't know what that is unless you stop and listen. (laughs) Be still. And know that He is God. Come before Him in that way. Remember, He is a loving Father. He's not a judge. He will speak to you as a loving Father. And how do we know this? Because Jesus did not come to condemn you, but to save you. So try this daily. Try this daily. Start with five minutes praying like this. Usually just five minutes is the start we need but it may go longer. You can go longer than five minutes. Maybe you've got a good long prayer, prayer life already and, and you pray quite well. But, but at least start somewhere if you haven't. Start somewhere. Five minutes a day. You'll find out. Now, the first couple minutes will go by like that, and all of a sudden you're praying for 10, 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. And remember, verse 6, "...then your Father, who sees what is done in secret..." will reward you. And finally, Jesus talks about fasting. He talks about fasting. In verse 16, he says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. So what is fasting? You've probably heard a lot of different definitions about this and what exactly can we fast from during Lent? Uh, what is fasting is basically letting go. Fasting is letting go. We can fast from food, we can fast from electronics, from social media, from all sorts of things, good and bad. Fasting is a way to reset and recalibrate our lives back to God's way of living and loving. It's a way of resetting that. So what do you need to let go? What is something that's causing you to be the average version of yourself? Or maybe something that's causing you to be the below average version of yourself. Maybe you need to let go of processed foods, uh, artificial sweeteners, alcohol, diet sodas, fast food, Netflix, I don't know, whatever it might be. And maybe you need to let go of Instagram or Facebook. Oh my goodness. Maybe you need to let go of screen time altogether. (laughs) Have I stepped on enough toes right now? <laughs> the goal of fasting and letting go is to break addictions, to break impulses and compulsions that harm ourselves. And I'm not saying all these things all of a sudden just harm ourselves, all, all, harm us all, all of a sudden, but they can wear on us and cause problems. Letting go of these these things gives us more time and space to connect with God and or offer ourselves in self-giving love to other people. Probably the one one thing in life that's the highest commodity is time. And we seem to not have enough of that. (laughs) Probably because other things are taking our time up. What is it that we can set aside? What can we let go of." Listen to what the book of Isaiah has to say about fasting, Isaiah uh, chapter 58, verses 6 and 7. It "'Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to run away from your own flesh and blood? True fasting, true fasting, God says in Isaiah, is offering ourselves in self-giving love to those around us, to those around us, to the oppressed, to the hungry, to the wanderer, to the naked, and even to our own flesh and blood, our family. So. What do you need to let go of this Lenten season? Question for all of us to consider as Wednesday comes. Is there something? God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God does not condemn us, but wants to save us. And Lent is a time for us to assess ourselves, make those adjustments, So we get back to God's way of living and His loving. So will you make a practice of giving, praying, fasting over the next 40 days? Now, the goal is not to do spiritual exercises that we can check off our to-do list, remember that, but to grow in the self-giving love. That's our goal. That's what God really cares about. He's not keeping score. He's working to transform our hearts and transform our minds into the likeness of His Son. We get to participate in that transformation. Jesus came to save us from shallow religion. Let's receive His love, receive His goodness, and let Him wash our hearts and minds this Lenten season. Remember, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts about what's to come. And during this Lenten season, there are a lot of people who give up certain things for this time. Lord, I pray that we would just come before you right now and ask, what is that? What is that that would be given up in my life? And I I, I ask, Lord, that you'd make that very clear in our hearts and minds. As we come before you today, right now, what is it that I need to let go of? And I pray, Lord, that you would bring that answer to our heart right now. And as we then grab onto that, realizing this is what needs to be let go of, then we look to... Practice those things of giving and praying. Being able to come together in that way to to grow in self-giving love. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to remind us that as we do so, people are, are watching us as followers of you. And we want to bring glory to you, Lord. So help us to follow closely and help us, Lord, to follow through with whatever we, you have for us during this Lenten season. But Lord, I, I pray that you'd just create in us a, a pure heart, oh God. As the psalmist says, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us away to take your Holy Spirit from us, but restore to us the joy of our salvation. We give over to you, Lord, whatever you, 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 you want us to do, and Lord, replace that. Give us the, the ability to give that thing up, whatever it might be, in these next 40 days ahead, so that we can focus more on you, and we can give sacrificially to those around us in love. Use us, Lord, in the days and weeks ahead that we can be a blessing to others around us. We love you, Lord, so very much. In your name we pray, amen.